This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. We start today with 40 Days of Love, and we're real excited about it. It's a six-week, 40-day, just focus by the whole church on what it means to love God and love one another. We're going to be looking at a couple places in our studies and our messages on Sunday, our group studies together and our daily devotions and our verses that we memorize will all come from either 1 Corinthians 13 or the, are the words of Jesus in the Gospels when he talked about relationships and loving one another. So we're, we're really, uh, really uh, excited about it. And uh, we had a great time last night in our kickoff rally and, and our groups came and introduced themselves and some of them just outdid themselves. One of our groups, I haven't seen a whole lot of them this morning because, um, oh, okay. One of our groups of, uh, of women had a slumber party last night. And uh, I bet they got up this morning after they went to bed in the wee hours and realized we're not middle schoolers anymore. We can't do this. And, uh, but uh, they had a good time. We had a, had a great, uh, great celebration last night, a lot of fun. So that begins today. Today begins really our first day. You read your first day of devotions today. Our groups begin. Some are starting tonight. I know at least a couple groups that meet on Sunday nights, and we have a group that meets on this coming Saturday night and all in between. And if you haven't plugged into a group yet, uh, please come see us and say, I really want to get into a group, and we'll do everything that we can. We'll start a new group if we need to. Um, I know there's a, um, a host home available and a leader ready. If we need to start a new group, we'll start one uh, tomorrow night. So if you need a group, let us know, and uh, we want to get you plugged in. When Jesus was asked this question, a fellow came to him, and he said, you know, Jesus was asked a lot of questions by a lot of people. He seemed to have a lot of answers, and he was saying things that were different than what most people have been hearing for all, all these years in, in, in their culture and their religion. And somebody came to him and said, okay, we've got all this law that God gave to Moses and our forefathers. We've got the Ten Commandments that the Jewish people revered their law. And someone came up with this question saying, what is the greatest of the commandments? Which one is it that is most important? If I'm going to get all of God's law, if I'm just going to get one right, what would you say, Jesus? And Jesus had an answer. His answer was Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39. You must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says these are the two things that matter most in life. Loving God, loving others. This morning we're going to look at how, uh, what we can, if we want to this morning, call the three laws <coughs> excuse me, of love. If you're ever going to be a great lover, you're going to have, if you're going to really learn how to love God, you're going to really learn how, you have to learn how to love other people, you've got to keep in mind, in your mind, these three things about love that we're going to talk about this morning. So let's get started. Law number one is the best use of life is love. The best use of life is love. God says you need to make learning how to love your number one priority, your primary objective, your greatest ambition, your life purpose. More than anything else, 
He says here in this passage we just read, more than anything else, you need to say, I want to learn how to be a loving person. I want to know how to love God. I want to know how to love other people. So let me give you, under this best use, let me give you four reasons why love is more important than anything else. First, because love validates my faith. Validates my faith. What does that mean? Validates means it it proves that I'm really in God's family. It proves that I'm going to heaven. It proves that I'm saved, that I've been born again, that I'm a part of the family of God, that I'm on the right, not the wrong side. He says the proof of your faith is this love. It validates your faith. Uh, Back in the Back in, in, in this early summer, in June, I traveled with our band. We went on a missions trip to France. And if you've ever traveled to another country, you know that when you get, on, you get to the airport here in this country, you have to validate who you are before you get your ticket. You get your ticket, and then you walk, and you have to validate who you are to get through security. You have to validate who you are to get on the airplane. When you get off the airplane in another country, you have to validate who you are to the people in that country, that you are who you say you are, and you're supposed to be there. And the way we validate those things, typically when we travel abroad, is that we carry what? A passport. We've got this little, in the United States, if you're an American citizen, it's a navy blue little little book, and it's got lots of pages in it. But right in the front of it, it's got your picture. It's got your information, uh, who you are. It's got an official government number that says this person is who he says he is supposed to be. Everywhere I went in my trip to France, I had to pull out my passport to prove who I say I am who I say I am unless I'm Jason Bourne. So the passport validates who you say you are. Love validates your faith. If I drive up this, this afternoon after we're done with church and I want to go out and eat lunch and I need some cash and I pull up to my bank and I pull uh, up to the little uh, ATM thing and I whip out of in my wallet, I've got this ATM card and I slide it in there, I put it in there, and it takes that, my, that card, and then it asks me to validate. The bank says, we want to know that you really are Rick Lawrenson. And so it asks me to punch in what? A PIN number. I've got this number that only I know. Well, Gail knows it too because she has the same PIN number. And some of you, I'm at the age now, there, there was a time, I remember one time I, I pulled it up there and stuck it in there and it says, punch in your pin number and then hit enter. And I went, I don't have a clue. <laughs> Thank God for cell phones. Gail, what's our pin number? She remembered and so I was, I was able to do that. Pin number validates, it tells the bank that I have an account there. Well, what validates your relationship with Jesus to those around at work and at play and at school and at church and in your neighborhood? What says to them, this person really is a Christ follower? What says Rick is a believer in Jesus, not just a religious phony hypocrite? First John chapter 4, verse 8. The Bible says, read this with me. Let's read it aloud. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That's validation. That's pretty clear, isn't it? The reason God wants you to learn to love on earth is because he wants you to become like 
him. We talked about that in our study in Romans back during the summer, Romans 8, 29. God's goal for your life is for you to be conformed to the image of his son, to be like Jesus. God wants us to be like him. And he says this in 1 John chapter 4, if we say we love God, but we hate others, we're what? Bible pretty, is pretty blunt, pretty in your face, tells it like it is. You say you love God, but you don't love other people, you're a liar. For we cannot love God whom we have not seen if we don't love others whom we have seen. How do you say you love God that you've never seen if you don't love people around you that you see every day? So love validates my faith. It proves I'm really a child of God. Second, love integrates my faith. In other words, it becomes the dominant principle by which everything else in my life comes together, is integrated, is woven, (coughs) excuse me, woven together. That includes my social life, my financial life, my church life, my work life, my love life, my friend life. Every other part of my life becomes woven together by love, not by greed, not by selfishness, not by lust. Last night at the rally, we talked about how everybody builds their life around something. Some people build their life around money or around fame or popularity or success. There's lots of things that you can make what we call the predominant, the life, predominant life principle in your life. But what you need is something that's so strong at the center of your life that it's not going to fall apart when problems come. Your life's not going to fall apart when the road comes to a sudden end and the emotional earthquakes and the financial hurricanes batter you and beat you because you have something better at the center of your life that's going to hold you together because if you don't, you're going to come apart. The Bible says that the only thing strong enough to do that is for God and for and is love for God and love for each other and it becomes the center <clears throat> it brings everything else into focus colossians 3 verse 14 says love is more important than anything else it's what ties everything else together it it ties it it's like glue that the the, the greek word says it bonds it together Like a glue or an epoxy, it integrates my life. It weaves it together. The third thing about love is that love compensates for my sin. (coughs) When you understand this, what this is talking about, it is really good news for you. It means that when I blow it, when I make mistakes, when I stumble, when I fall, when I sin, it means that God's first question is not, Hey, did he sin? God's first question is, does he love me? Does he love my son, Jesus Christ? If she or he does love my son, Jesus Christ loves me, then then, then we've got that sin covered. We're going to compensate for it, God says. We know he or she is imperfect, but what matters most, God wants to know, is does he love me? Does she love me? Does the Bible say that? First Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Most important of all, 
continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sin. What does that mean that love covers a multitude of sins? It has two meanings. You might want to jot these down if you have space somewhere in your notes. What does that mean? First, when Christ came to earth and died on the cross, and they nailed his hands up on that cross beam of that cross, it was as though Jesus was saying to the world, I love you this much. I love you enough to suffer for you. I love you enough to bleed for you. I love you enough to die for you. I'm willing to take the punishment for all the laws, for all the things that you've broken. I'll serve your sentence. I'll pay your debt. Jesus says that because I love you, everything you've ever done, everything you will ever do that is wrong will be forgiven, will be covered up. When you put your faith in him as your savior, The blood that he shed, the death that he died on the cross, covers your sins. Like throwing a blanket over it so that it's never seen again. It's covered by Christ. That's one one reason why we call the gospel, why the word gospel means the what? The good news. Man, that's good news. The other thing that this means about covering a multitude of sins is this. Here's where it gets really practical for us. Here's where it really challenges us. Once I've been forgiven by God, and that happened again, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, the the moment that you believed in Jesus, that you were born into his family, whatever that was for you. For me, I was 10. But the moment that happened in your life, God forgave you of all of your sins, and when God forgave you, that means that when he did that, he also came to live inside of you, and part of what he came to live inside of you to do was to give you and me the ability and the power to let other people off the hook, to forgive others, so that I can know and experience God's forgiveness, but I also, because I've been forgiven, I can forgive other people. He gives me the ability to let other people off the hook. When you understand, you and I, when we understand how much we have been graced by God, You can't help but start being more gracious yourself with other people. You just don't get quite as angry, quite as impatient as you used to. You don't get so upset. You're not judgmental when other people blow it because you know yourself, but I know myself how much I've been forgiven for. I know myself that my sin's been forgiven, that it's been covered And because you know that and you've experienced that and that's working in your life, then you're able to cover the sins of others as well. Love covers a multitude of sins. When you really love somebody and they blow it, love doesn't rub it in. Love rubs it out. It's like an eraser on a pencil. Love erases it. God says, I want you to experience my love so that you can pass it on to other people. God says you can be gracious and you can be forgiven and forgiving and merciful. You can cut some people some slack and some room when they blow it and they make mistakes because just like I did for you and covered your sin, your love for them can forgive them of their sins as well as they, when they sin against you. So get this, if you don't get anything else today, more important... And sometimes people think, I've got to go to church and I've got to be religious and so forth and I've got to try to be the perfect as I can be. And God, you know, God I think, chuckles at that because he knows we can't be perfect. 
More important than you being perfect is that you love God with all your heart. God knows you can't be perfect. What matters most to him is not that you haven't messed up in life, not that you've dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's. The Pharisees in Jesus' day were experts at that. That's not what matters most to God. What matters most to God, Jesus said, is do you love God with all your heart? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? God says that if you do, it will cover a multitude of sins. One more. The fourth reason why love is more important than anything else is is that love reverberates forever. I think of tossing that pebble into the pond, you know? You toss that pebble out there in the middle of the pond and the ripples come out and they just go on and on and on. You watch them for a while. God says love reverberates like that pebble in the pond in your life and it echoes for eternity. Every single loving action is going to go on forever and God's going to reward it one day in eternity. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. These three things, Paul writes, continue forever. Faith, hope, and love. He says, but the greatest of these is love. He says it's going to continue forever. If you want a legacy to last. <coughs> I'm, at the, I'm at the stage in life, you know, I'm, I'm 55 years old, which means, you know, I'm, I'm past middle age, okay? Middle age is kind of like 40, you know, once you get past 40, you, you go over the crest and you're on the downhill slide. I've lived more years than I've got left. And you can be thankful that I'm not going to live to be 110. Can you imagine me up here then? No teeth. You know, can, you, can you think about that? <clears throat> I'm at the age now where I'm looking and I'm looking down the road at 55. That, you know, 10 more years, I probably should be thinking about retiring, maybe. Probably not. But, you know, I've got grandkids. I'm at the stage in life now where I'm thinking about a little bit about legacy. What, what am I going to leave behind? If you really want to leave something behind, if you really want something that lasts, if you really want people to remember you, be a loving person. Because love lasts. In fact, nothing else does. The truth is, everybody, every one of us, will eventually learn the basic truth of life, that life is about relationships, not accomplishments. When you and I are dying... We're going to want people around us who love us, not the things that we're going to leave behind. I've been to some of those kind of funerals, and I've been around some of those kind of families that as soon as the amen is said and the last shovel of dirt's thrown on the grave, then the bickering begins about what, how, what, what's mine and what's yours. What can I get out of this? I want people around me when I want my, my family. I want people that are around me that love me for me, not for what I might leave them. And let me say to you, um, 
especially because a lot of you in this room, most of you in this room are younger than me. I hope you, you, you don't wait till you're on your deathbed to figure that out. In fact, the Bible says that life without love, it's worthless. It's a wasted life. 1 Corinthians 13, 3, if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, what a noble thing to do. Give away everything you have to the food bank and feed the poor and send it to different countries and do all that. Just empty your bank account. Sell all, have the huge yard sale and sell the house and do everything. Give it all away. What a noble thing to do. Paul says, if I do all that, Paul says, if I even give my life to be, my body to be burned as a martyr, if I give the ultimate sacrifice and give away my life, but I don't have love. I don't do it because of love. He said, I gain what? Nothing. Nothing. Without love, I'm bankrupt. If that's true, and of course it is because God says so, then why do relationships get the short end of the stick in our lives? And we know what the answer is. The answer is because we're so doggone busy. When I'm busy, I start skimming relationally. That's where I start cutting back. So law number two, if love is the best use of my time, law number two is this, the best expression of love is time. You spell love, T-I-M-E. 1 John 3.18 says, we must love through actions, actions that are sincere, not through empty words, Love is not something that you feel. Love's not something that you say. Love is something that you do. It's a verb. It's action. And the most desired gift of love and the most priceless gift of love is is time. It's focused attention. When you give your time to someone, that's the greatest gift you can give. Giving your attention is the greatest gift you can give somebody. Why? Because your time, my time, is my most precious resource. When you give, give attention to somebody, you're saying to that person, hey, you know what? You matter to me. You're valuable to me. You're worth listening to. You're saying all kinds of things when you give people your attention. It's, and here's why. Because your attention, your time, that's a part of my life. I, I can give you money. You know, you come up and say, oh, I need money. I can, I can reach in my wallet, and, and I can write you a check, and I can give you money, and then I can say, okay, I'm just going to have to work a little bit harder to get that money back. But I can recoup that money somehow. But when I give you my time, how do you get that back? You know, when time is gone, it's gone. You know, there is no back to the future kind of thing. It's past. It's over. It's done. You're never going to get it back. Jesus said that the essence of relationships is not what we do for each other. He said that the essence of real relationships is not the things that we can give to each other. You know, we give presents and things that we give. And Jesus taught that the essence of true loving, true loving relationships is how much we give of ourselves to that person. Our lives. Parents, we show our kids love. Not by buying them the latest gadgets and toys. I see lots of kids with gadgets and toys that are kids that aren't being loved. But people will substitute, I'll buy you something, I'll give you something. 
Doesn't that prove I love you? They don't want the gadgets and toys. They want you. Your spouse doesn't want you to say I love you with the words and give candy or flowers or new socks. (laughs) Your spouse wants your time. They want what only you can give. That's love. A couple weeks ago, Gail and I were trying to have a conversation. I, I, I initiated the conversation. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> she had been gone all day and working hard, and, and, uh, it was, and, I, and I asked her, had a, I, there's a couple things I wanted to find out from her, but here was the problem. I'm sitting there in, in our den, and I'm sitting in my, in my nice, comfy leather, lazy boy recliner that she gave me now for Christmas a couple years ago. It's her fault. I was sitting in that thing, and I was watching TV, probably a football game, and my laptop is on my lap, and I'm chatting on Facebook with somebody I haven't seen in 40 years. And she comes in, she sits down, and I initiate this conversation, and I asked her a couple of questions. And honest to goodness, it happened more than once. I'm just confessing to you. It happened more than once. I asked her the question, I'm watching the TV, and I'm trying to watch this, and she's talking to me. Guess what I turned off? And so, I'm, what did you say? And she had to repeat it. And this happened a couple times in a matter of a few minutes. What was I saying to her? How valued did she feel at that moment? Guys, you know what I'm talking about here? Ladies, do you know what I'm talking about here? It's pretty bad. Galatians 5, 5 verse 6 says this, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You say, well, how do I find more time for the people that I love in my life? And, and let me say to you, that's the wrong question because that's what some of you think. Well, how do I make more time for people? Wrong question. They should be the priority. The question should be, after I've, my, they're my priority, how do I make time for everything else in my life? Here's our homework assignment for this week. This is going to hurt some of us. You know how it was when you were a kid and on, on Friday, you know, when the weekend's coming up and you're in school and you're looking forward to Saturday and Sunday and then the teacher says, you know, five minutes before the bell rings, and here's your homework assignment for this weekend. And she writes all this stuff. She writes forever and ever and ever and ever. And you're thinking, I am in prison this weekend, you know. There's no way I can do all that reading and answer all those questions and do that research and all this stuff. And she has just ruined my weekend by the homework assignment. I'm going to give you a homework assignment. And for some of us, it's at the end of your notes, but here's the homework assignment, especially if you say, I just don't have the time. This week, turn off the TV. This week, Turn off the computer. Recent studies show that the average American, I know, you guys are way above average, I know that. But recent studies show that the average American watches, sits in front of the television or a video screen, the TV screen or computer screen, working or playing an average of the average American six hours a day. 
Now, that includes work, but six hours a day. Six hours a day, and let's just say five days a week, Monday through Friday. Let's say on Saturday and Sunday, you don't watch any TV. You you don't get into that stuff on the weekend. Let's take Sundays and Saturday and Sundays off. The average American, six hours a day, that's 30 hours a week. 30 hours a week for one year is 1,560 hours in front of a screen. Now, that's starting to make me feel a little bit uncomfortable. How about you? So let me put it into perspective this way. That is the equivalent. Listen to this. That's the equivalent of 97 straight days of 16 hours a day in front of a screen in one year. That's more than three months. 16 hours a day, that gives me eight hours to sleep. 97 days. You see, to have loving relationships in life, you have to make time for them. You have to. I have to decide what's more important. Ephesians says this. Live a life filled with love for others. Again, we keep getting hit with that by God. Live a life filled with love for others, following the example of Christ who loved you and gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. Take your pen and circle the word love and circle the word sacrifice and draw a line in between them. Because if it isn't a sacrifice, it's not real love. You, can't, you, 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 can, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. If it isn't a sacrifice, it's not love. Love means giving up. It means I, I give up my agenda for your agenda. It means, it means I give up my time for your time. I give up my preference for your preference. It means I give up what I'd rather do right now to do what you'd rather do right now. And that's a sacrifice, but that's what makes it love. Law number three. The best time to love is, you fill in the blank, now. Y'all, so you, I told you you're above average. The best time to love is now. <coughs> not tomorrow, not later, not someday, not one of these days, not when I get around to it, not soon, but now. Whatever you intend to do with your life, you need to do it now. If you have an opportunity to show love, do it now. Why? The Bible says in Galatians 6, verse 10, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. You'll have opportunities tomorrow at work. You'll have opportunities today at home. Whenever, that could mean now. It means be ready. Ephesians 5.16 says, use every chance you have for doing good. Now. The Bible says, Proverbs 3.28, if you can help your neighbor, don't say, come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. Why do you need to show love today? Who do you need to show, who do you need Maybe today when you leave this this worship service and you go home, who do you need to make that phone call to? Who do you need to share a word of encouragement and love? Maybe you need to go home and you need to write a card or send a letter to someone. Maybe you need to go home and make a visit to somebody in in a nursing home or at the hospital. Who do you need to invite over to your backyard in your neighborhood and say, come on over, we're gonna have a, I'm gonna fix a, Cook out. We're going to do some hamburgers, hot dogs, steaks, whatever. Come on over. Let me ask it this way. 
Who's at your work? Where you work? Who is it that that person that everybody can't stand because they're so obnoxious and that that person who needs that massive dose of love? Who is that person that you could show love to because that person is so difficult to love, just an unlovely person? Do you know that we don't stop and think about this Do you know that God specifically puts people around your life, the people you work with, the people that you're in school with, you school teachers, the students that you have and the parents they have, your neighbors, the people that you hang with, God specifically puts those people in your life so that you can show love to them. It's not just an accident. You work with the people you work with. God's got you there for a reason. Yeah, but they're so hard to get along with. God's got you there for a reason. That person needs somebody to love them. Why? Why do you need to do that now? Well, it's pretty simple. You don't know how long you're going to have the opportunity. People die. People move away. You don't know when your number's going to be punched. You don't know when theirs is going to be punched. So whatever love you're going to show in life, you better do it when? Now. Circumstances change. Job transfers. Circumstances change. Kids grow up and move away, and you don't see them much anymore. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to change? Are you just going to go through 40 days of love and we're going to talk about love and you're going to get all the warm fuzzies and you're going to say, gee, that's so nice. All this love talk. And that's it? But not be any more loving? Let me share with you what my goal, personal goal is for the 40 days of love. I hope that you have one. My goal is that I'll look back Um, on these 40 days, and I'll say, God, I learned a a whole lot about loving you and about loving others and that I'll become more loving. I'm at the stage in life where I can now look back on so much of my life and be honest and say, I wish back then I had uh, known how to love God more and known how to love people more. But I can't go back, and neither can you. I'm also at the stage in life when, when this is one of the things that God's been working on me about. So I'm excited about what we're going to learn in our groups and our devotions and in these messages. I hope that you are as well. But let me ask you to bow your heads with me together for just a moment. If you would, just bow your head, close your eyes. I know that one day I'm going to stand before God and God's going to say to me, he's not going to say to me, Rick, what did you accomplish in your life? How much money did you give away? How many people did you help? That's not going to be the first thing on his mind. Based upon what that first verse we read that Jesus said, his question is going to be, Rick, did you do what I put you on earth to do? Did you learn to love me more than anything else? Did you spend time with me? Did you have some focused attention just with me? That's how you show love. Did you learn to love everybody else and did you spend time with them?
I've discovered in life that God usually moves in our lives and grows us. When he gets us to places in life where we become dissatisfied. And I hope that if you only love those who love you, that you're not satisfied with that. Serious love, mature love says, I love people who are unlovely. I I love people who don't love me. I, I love people who irritate me. One man came up to me after the last gathering. He said, you know, there's some people that, he said, you really stomped all over me because there's some people I've been just kind of praying that God would take them out. And I haven't showed them any love. I love people who attack me. I love the way Jesus loved. So would you spend just a moment in silence and prayer right now and being honest with God about how you should respond to him and to his word in regards to how you love others. Take a moment right now. Jesus said that's the most important thing. It's what matters most to you is that we love you with all our heart, our soul, our mind, that we love our neighbors, ourselves. I can't tell you, God, how many times I've heard those verses repeated those verses, sung those verses. But my prayer, Father, for me and for these folks here will be with us not only today, but through the next 40 days especially, that those verses will become alive in our lives and our hearts. That we'll know what that means. We'll learn as we study, as we discuss, as we read, as we listen, as we do. Would you teach us what it means to love? With your head still bowed and your eyes closed, let me ask you a question. If this morning the scriptures and the words of Christ and the words of God and the word in the Bible, if if something this morning has just kind of gotten under your skin a little bit and you realize um, I'm kind of slacking some of these things, I need to grow in this area of loving God, grow in this area of loving other people, especially people that are not easy to love. And, and today, I, I'm just admitting, Lord, I'm listening to you, and I want to see you change that part of my life, beginning right now, but also over the next weeks to come. If that's you, and you would just say, Rick, would you pray for me? I'm not call your name out. I'm not going to make you stand up and come forward or anything like that. But I just want to know that there's other people who are saying the same thing as I'm saying. God, um, do something in my life in regards to love. I want to be the person that you want me to be when it comes to loving you. I want to be able to stand before you one day. And when you ask me the question, Rick, did you do what I expected of you in loving spending time with me and loving and spending time with those that you need to love in life. God, I don't want you to say, but Rick, whatever your name is, you, I put somebody in your life and you refuse to love that person. God, would you change my heart? Do what you need to do in me. Rick, that's my prayer. I'm expressing that. I'm confessing that this morning. I want God to work in my life over these next 40 days in a powerful way. I want to come out on the other end different than I am as I came in this morning by his grace. You just slip your hand up. Nobody's looking but God and me. All right, lots of hands. 
Thank you. Father, you see the hands. I think you see the hearts. You know what we're saying, and I pray that you'll make it happen. That I know you want to. It's just kind of about us accepting and listening and doing, believing and trusting. Change our lives over these next 40 days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.